This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec, the podcast that keeps you updated and educated. Tech Guide, episode 464. Welcome to the show. Thank you for listening once again. My name is Stephen Fennec. I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, are foldable phones ready to go mainstream? That's the question we put to Samsung Australia's head of mobile, Gary McGregor. A new insurance company takes a high-tech approach to lower your policies, and we'll take a look at some rare Apple memorabilia that's going under the hammer. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to take a look at the Hoverbar Studio iPad stand, what we can expect from the new Paramount Plus streaming service, and KO Sports lands on the PlayStation platform. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, the company that keeps you connected, and Norton, the company that keeps you protected. Well, Samsung last week unveiled their brand new foldable smartphones, the Galaxy Z Fold 3 and the Galaxy Z Flip 3. They were announced last Thursday, and along with two new Galaxy Watches, well, Galaxy Watch 4, Galaxy Watch Series, uh, Galaxy Watch 4 Classic, and also some new Galaxy Buds as well, the Galaxy Buds 2, I think is what they've uh, announced as well. So pretty busy, busy night for Samsung. Of course, the foldable smartphones is what everyone's talking about. This is the third generation already of these foldable smartphones, Galaxy Z Fold 3, Galaxy Z Flip 3, and right off the, bla- the bat, I've got to say, the price was is what surprised me. The, the Flip 3 is $700 cheaper than last year, so $1,500 against $2,200 last year, and the Z Fold 3, $2,500 against $3,000 a year ago, so that's a $500 saving right there. So uh, right, right away, I think they, that's going to make them even more attractive to customers. But the other features that they've announced, uh, I think, may that there may have been some people in the last couple of years that are a little not not quite sold on the, on the foldable. It, it's not because they don't like the concept. I think maybe they were concerned about just how fragile some of them were. You cast your mind back to the version one of the Galaxy Z Fold, and there were screen issues and debris getting in the hinge and all all these all these concerns. They were all ironed out for the Z Fold two, but. Maybe the price is what kind of kept people away. But now with the third generation of these devices, the big thing for me is that they are now uh, have an IPX8 rating. So they're now water resistant. So that means they can be submerged in fresh water at a depth of 1.5 meters for 30 minutes. So I, I wouldn't try that personally, but if you spill if you spill water on it or drop it in some water, fresh water, hopefully, they're going to be okay. These are the very first foldable devices that are water and dust resistant. So uh, great advance right there. Now the other part, the other concern I'd I'd say for anyone who with that was thinking about a foldable was just how delicate are they? And I, I, I remember when I was reviewing the Galaxy Z Fold 2, I was terrified I was going to drop it and just ruin the whole thing. And uh, luckily I didn't. But this time out, the Galaxy Z Fold 3 and the Galaxy Z Flip 3 are even sturdier. Now, Samsung have introduced this new tougher armour aluminium, uh, both on the frame and the hinge cover. And that, that's this is, Samsung says, the strongest material ever used on a Galaxy smartphone. So right away, that that fills me with confidence. And the screens, the glass front screens, also have tough Corning Gorilla Glass Victus, apparently the the toughest glass ever used on a smartphone. Every company says that every time, especially Apple. Apple always has the the toughest glass ever on on an iPhone. Uh, And now Samsung are claiming that with the new Victus glass. But it doesn't stop there. I think the massive improvement for the Galaxy Z Fold 3 is, as we suspected, 
the introduction of the Galaxy, the S Pen. There was part of the Galaxy Note portfolio of products, and we're going to be talking to Gary McGregor in a moment. We, we put some questions to him about it, including whether the Note is dead. Now, you judge for yourself what, uh, what the, you can read between the lines. Personally, I think that Note is done, but you'll hear what Gary has to say about that a little bit later. But the main thing here is that for the Fold 3, the S Pen will work on the big foldable screen. Now, if you think of the typical Note customer, they're a, they're a niche customer, high-end customer, who are used to paying big money for a phone, so more, more than your average user. Uh, I think that the, the, the movement away from Note to the fold with the S Pen, I think is a really smart move on Samsung's part to attract those former Note customers who are looking to perhaps upgrade, because there was the, the Note from last year, there's no note right now, and I'm I'm saying that probably won't be another note ever again because the Galaxy S21 Ultra was also S Pen compatible. So we can only assume that all of the S22 phones that are going to be released early next year will also have S Pen compatibility. So that kind of then rules out a space in the portfolio for the Note. I hope I'm wrong. I'm a big fan. And the news of the Note not being around, I wrote a story a couple of weeks ago that Samsung was benching the Note. The response I had for that from uh, from Note fans was incredible. They're, they're really attached to these devices. But will you upgrade to the Fold now? Are you Is this, gonna, is this enough to make you think, right, you're going to move to the Foldable? That's a question I th- that I think this this poses here. This these new releases and and Samsung are putting every resource behind these releases. They're not out till September ten, but the feeling is that this could be the tipping point for foldable devices. Now, the Fold 3 is naturally more aimed at your higher end user, your multitasker, that kind of that that typical user. Whereas the Flip 3, we should talk about that a little bit, the Flip 3 is more for your style conscious, more the trendier users, and we discussed this with Gary as well, and it's it's ha- it has a 6.7-inch screen that literally folds in half, and the big improvement, apart from its stronger armour aluminium and its water resistance, and uh, is the, the other improvement is the larger front screen. That's, I think that's a big deal as well. It's four times bigger than the tiny little screen that was on there last year. So you can get a lot more done on the front without even opening the phone, including reading notifications and taking action based on what you're doing. Uh, so I think both both of them, serious improvement over, over uh, version two, over generation two. But whether, whether customers respond, uh, they're out on September 10. Whether customers respond and make these sort of more a bigger shift towards foldable, foldable devices, could this be it? And what will Apple be doing in this space as well? For a lot of customers, including perhaps you listening right now, who are you're an iPhone user, foldable will 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 you consider moving to a foldable device, going to Samsung for a foldable device, or are you just going to wait, sit back and wait for Apple to do something like this? This is. Uh, I think a lot of iPhone users have been asking me that same question. Uh, you could be waiting a long time, I suspect. I don't think I can't see Apple doing anything like this—a foldable device within the next uh, what two up to two years out. I think we are for the first foldable. But is this going to be a mainstream product? Is is Samsung no doubt going to be putting a lot of resource behind it? Uh, that was one of the many questions we put to Gary when we caught up earlier. Well, Gary, welcome back to the show. How you been? I've been very well, thank you, Stephen. How are you going? Going okay, mate. These this conversation we normally have it uh, in New York or San Francisco. Uh, it's a bit different this year, but still, nevertheless, some exciting announcements from you guys. The latest generation fold and flip phone. So, this is uh, exciting times. They're, they're very exciting times for us, and we we love unpacked. And yeah, you're right. We're not in New York. We don't have the the razzmatazz of New York. We're doing it in our lounge rooms. Uh, but at the same time, it's taught us all to to think differently and do things differently. And I think that's what we've done when we look at the the technology that we've we've announced. And the the big news from Unpacked was obviously making a big bold statement around the fact that the the future form factor of the smartphone is foldable. 
and we announced the Z Fold 3 and the Z Flip 3 accordingly. Yeah, so is this, I know, this is already the third generation. You guys are really ahead of the curve in the foldable technology. Is this version, though, I noticed that the things that caught my eye was the fact that they're now the IPX rating, that the sturdier construction. Do you think there's, this will make some people who are a little bit on the fence about foldables and worried about their maybe being too fragile? Do you think this is going to maybe spur those customers to... To maybe get into the foldable space? Uh, absolutely. We we listen, and as you know at Samsung, we, we carry out lots of, of research. We're very hands-on with, with partners and understanding the local market nuances, but two key areas kept coming back as barriers that we needed to overcome. Number one was durability, and the other one was affordability. So yeah, as you said, durability, we've really tackled that one head on. We've got Gorilla Glass Victus on the, on the outer. We've got the armor aluminum frame as well. And then the, the main screen is now 80% more durable than what we've had in previous models. And that obviously allows for the benefit of a pen to be used on there as well. Yeah, I'm going to get to that. But on the pricing, though, I, I, I was impressed that you, you, pretty, you slashed the price pretty decently here in, for the, both the flip and the fold. So was that the other, you, you mentioned that was some other feedback you were getting from customers that these the, were maybe a little bit out of their price range? It was. I think it was a combination of things. It was one where it's it's nice, it's unique, it's innovative, but is it for me? And then when you added in the price, the consideration kind of stopped because obviously people spend a lot of money on their, their mobile technology. It's important and they, they want to have that reassurance. So two things, by these products going mainstream and a way to go mainstream is to review the price. And now, yeah, we've got foldable screens starting at $1,499, which when you look at the specification, irrespective of the fact it folds or it doesn't, the specification really, really stands out. So we dropped that product. If you compare that with this time last year, the the 5G Flip 2 launched at 2199 So it's actually $700 less in Australia for, for this product. And then similarly with the Fold, We've brought that down from 3000 to 2500 which is obviously the premium experience here. But regardless, we've brought it down to when you look at specs and comparisons, and I said take away the fact mm-hmm. that it folds, these are competitively priced products now. Absolutely. And you, you did touch on the S Pen. I, I, would, I was very keen to talk about the S Pen. I'm a big fan of the Galaxy Note and the S Pen, as you know. So bringing the S Pen now to the Z Fold 3 – how that this is a significant move for to to attract that customer who is a different customer to the flip three we'll talk about the flip three in, in a little bit but the fold three is a specific sort of customer isn't it and the s pen has kind of confirmed that yes this is this is a multitasking machine and brought that that really popular feature from the note that's right and again when you you did the research around why were people buying a note uh, one was large screen the second one was pen so we've obviously these products have a large screen when you when you open up the the fold it's a massive screen and the the pen yes we can and I saw your video we can include it in the uh, in the device but we do have it on a on a case and the technology that sits behind that to be able to allow us to uh, write on ultra thin glass is truly, truly phenomenal. But now as a productivity tool, it is allowing you to take notes. You can write your URLs into the screen now rather than typing them. So many cool features, but as you touched on, the fact that you can multitask with this product, you can be writing notes and watching your uh, review videos on YouTube on the other side as well. So, so far, the reception to the pen has gone down incredibly well. I bet it has, but the the question I keep getting, and this is, I'm asking you this question, but I've had my <laughs> listeners, viewers, readers asking me, is there still going to be a Galaxy Note? Is Samsung still going to have that category in their smartphone portfolio? For now, we are very focused on taking Fold to, to the masses. And I think what will be very telling is when we when we look at the numbers and the people who have migrated across from a note product to a Fold, and then again, we'll listen to their feedback and their experience. Yeah. Uh, if there is a reason that they, they hesitate, then obviously we will review that in due course. The beauty of an organization like Samsung is we 
we spend a lot of money on R&D and we can move based on customer demand and customer needs. But at this moment in time, and I know it's been a, a kind of difficult couple of years to convince people that this is going to be mainstream, but so far, uh, there's very little feedback coming back to us. And I, I look at the, the retail channels, for example, or retail partners and consumer feedback, albeit in a, a fairly short space of time, no one is asking for the note at the moment based on what they've seen. Okay. I, I suppose the fact that the, the S Pen was also the part of the, uh, could work with the S21 Ultra was a, another option, I guess, for customers. So you've kind of covered them at, at both with the foldables and with the the S S twenty one. So if yeah, they if they're not happy right. with that, what what can they do? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. And so let's talk about the flip three. And to me, and I'm I'm pretty sure you'd agree, the fold three and the flip three customers are two different people, aren't they? The flip three is kind of Very more of so. your style conscious, design conscious, trendier kind of user. Is it? Am I right there? Yeah, you're absolutely right. The Z Flip 3 is all about the iconic design. It comes in seven different colors. It's got a crazy good range of cases so that people can personalize the smartphone to match their style. And keep in mind, everyone uh, of a certain age group still loves the nostalgia of a clamshell and that satisfying snap when you finish a call uh, still <laughs> makes me smile. So it's, it's very compact when it's closed. And we've obviously redesigned the cover screen on there as well. So yeah. that's actually four times bigger than what we had on previous ones, again, based on feedback. So you can use the camera, you can receive notifications, and you don't necessarily need to open up the phone. So, yeah, uh, I think the the flip is appealing to a very different market. And probably what excites me the most on that and the feedback is around flex mode, where you can basically have the device just sitting on your lap or sitting on a table you can open at a 90 degree angle and you can watch something and you can control the screen with the bottom panel so it's, it's very well thought out and when open you've got a really big screen in a 6.7 inch screen has demand how has the market been not just foldables but the smartphone market hmm. in general from samsung's perspective how has that been affected since the the pandemic like this year we're, we're back in lockdowns across various states has that impacted you guys for for selling products like this or has it increased the demand what what what's the been the reaction it, it has it's a it's a big impact i'll take each one in turn because there's actually quite a, a lot of questions in there in terms of market demand if i look at the, the first half of this year the, the calendar year uh, the market was actually relatively flat year on year and keep in mind last year covid impacted us quite earlier on in the, the first half of 2020 so first half of 2021 market was flat mm -hmm. pleasingly for, for us at samsung our share within that market grew so our unit share grew very very well and our value share so the amount of dollars being spent grew more modestly as well but importantly it still grew i think if we look more broadly at what's happening obviously there is a, a broader silicon shortage and that's mm. uh, showing no signs of abating i think we're, we're getting on top of it and we're managing it more than what we we have done in the past but uh, the other challenge is getting products into the, the country as well. Now, a lot of our products come in on commercial flights mm. because of the size of smartphone boxes. We don't need to put them on boats. We can fly them in. And because of the restrictions on numbers coming into Australia, it's actually been a lot more complex to try and get the products physically into Australia. But it's one at this moment in time we're winning. And as you know, we at Samsung, we love a challenge. So we're, we're finding our way around it. But it has added complexities. And yeah, lockdowns aren't great for sales uh, particularly because retail a lot of people still want to touch and feel and see these smartphones before they purchase them but at the same time it challenges us to make our online experience and give customers as much peace of mind as we can through that medium sure and i noticed this time out uh, from announcement to on sale date is a little bit longer normally you sort of you make an announcement and two weeks later it's in our hands it is about it's about four weeks now. Any reason for that? Is it is it because of the challenges you're describing bringing them in the country? Is there any reason for that? No, it's it's not really linked to to that. We we always tend to look at 
windows where we can really maximize the the sales and the, the periods in which we, we can sell as well. And we also look at the cycles in which customers are upgrading their, their smartphones as well. And similarly with marketing campaigns and campaign windows too. So once we, we factored in all of those elements, we were we were very happy with the, the date of the 10th of September to, to launch these products. So yes, it is a elongated uh, pre-order period. I think the last time we had one like this was around uh, the S8 where it was almost 30, 30 days. Mm-hmm. But there are some incredibly compelling offers out there as well. And we know that in this market, sometimes to get those messages out there and fully understood can take a week or two weeks. So we're giving people a little bit longer. And uh, yeah, we, we look forward to the launch. Well, I, uh, I, I've, uh, I've just received them myself to review and I'm enjoying them already. And I, I, I'm thinking, and you'd probably be thinking this too, is this the year that foldables is going to come even more mainstream? More customers are going to jump on board. It's no longer a novelty. This is a legitimate technology that can be really helpful and stylish and do all of those things that you need. It is, and you're absolutely right, Steve. I, I challenged the, the frontline teams of, of our partners, and it may have been a little bit provocative, but uh, my, my question to them was, uh, we need to start asking Australians, are they fold or are they old? And what I mean by that is, we, we used to always have a discussion around operating system and what are you doing and how do you use the products, but I think we just need to look at the physical design of the product and what are they using it for and what's important to them? And everything that they have in their old style smartphone is well and truly captured in the fold. So at Samsung, we, we believe this this is the year. I think that the early indications are positive. I was looking through the, the numbers earlier where we're, we're seeming to show more of a favor towards different colors and green is wow. proving to be incredibly right? popular at the moment. Wow. Green is more popular than black. Wow. I'm sure that might normalize over the next few days, <laughs> but it's, it's really, really interesting because, again, it's giving us insights that this is a very personal piece of technology and it's important to, to Australians. So let's, let's see where it goes. Fantastic. Well, uh, well done, mate. And I'm uh, looking forward to seeing this in the market, seeing how the customers uh, react. I've, I've got my review units. I'll be giving them a, uh, a solid road test over the few weeks. Gary, really appreciate your time joining us today. Thank you very much for the time, Steve. I really appreciate it. Thank you. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennick. Well, next up, we're going to talk about Honey Insurance, and this is an insurance with a slightly different approach. A high-tech approach is is the best way to describe it. Now, when you think of insurance, technology is really not something that's in the equation, but that, that's all changed now with this new startup. This is an Aussie, Aussie startup that's received more than $15 million in seed funding, so a uh, pretty, pretty big start there. So the, the founders are looking to offer this high-tech approach. And by that, I mean customers being given, so customers who take out home and contents insurance through Honey will receive smart home sensors. So the thinking behind that is that offering those sensors will help owners minimize risk and stay safer. When you think about insurance, whenever whenever they're, they're making a claim and coming up with a policy, it's a complete 100% risk assessment. If you're, if you're a risk, it's going to be higher. If you're less of a risk, your policy is going to be lower. And it, it, brings, it brings into question how insurance, like how Australians insure themselves. I found this remarkable that more than 80% of Australians, according to a study commissioned by Understand Insurance, are underinsured. And that ends up costing Australians more than $1.5 billion in out-of-pocket expenses. So underinsured, that's alarming. But the other, the other, there's some more research showed that 50% of insurance claims are avoidable. So by providing these smart sensors, Honey Insurance is investing in their customers. They want them to reduce risk, to stay safer. Now, what, what sort of sensors can do that? Well, when you sign up to, to the house, uh, home and contents insurance, you receive a welcome pack that comes with four different sensors. And these sensors include uh, being sm- a smart smoke detector. So it can help you avert disaster. And I do understand that if you have a nest 
which is what I have here at my place. If you have a Nest smart smart sensor, smart smoke detector, that'll be taken note of, and you'll 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 qualify for a slightly cheaper policy. Uh, so that that that's one start. Another sensor could provide. Uh, maybe a heads up about a potential water leak. So it could de- it, there's one that can detect a buildup of moisture, or, or uh, and that that could p- potentially be a leak that may r- flood your entire house. Uh, other motion sensors too can also detect intruders. So suddenly the company is taking an interest, trying to in- to arm the the customer with products that will help them stay safer, reduce those risks, and thereby reducing their claims and hopefully reducing their the, pi- the price of their policies. So a, a really interesting approach there. And as soon as the sensors are installed, the home insurance, the honey insurance customers receive an 8% discount on their premium. And for each year, they stay connected. So if you are thinking of renewing your home insurance, this could be the solution for you. Now, this is this is a company that is it has is underwritten by RACQ, so a massive insurance giant. So don't think that they're uh, they're not uh, they don't have a solid backing. Uh, I, I did mention they they were founded after securing fifteen point five million dollars in seed funding. That's the largest seed round in Australia for a tech company. Would you believe it? And just like every other successful startup, Honey Insurance is disrupting the industry. This is a $10 billion industry, the home insurance industry market, home, and it's only dominated by a small number of companies. So, And, and those companies aren't, don't kind of have your new wave. They're more old school players. Honey Insurance has kind of taken a whole new approach, a tech approach to the whole insurance business. Definitely worth your consideration. You do get some cool smart sensors out of it. There's pictures of them on Tech Guide if you want to check it out. So uh, Honey Insurance, welcome to the market. And uh, the, the tech approach is something we applaud. We're a, tech, we're a tech website after all. So good job there. An Aussie company doing really well. They're also backed by, as I said, by ROCQ. So they're, they're no fly-by-nighters. They've got a solid backing there, really high amount of seed funding. And uh, they, they're set to make waves in the home insurance industry. If you want to find out more about that, that, check it out at techguide.com.au. Next up, we are talking about some Apple memorabilia. Now, if you were smart enough back in the early 80s to buy an Apple computer, like say you bought the Apple One, and at the time it, was, it wasn't cheap. It was, it was a couple of thousand dollars, I think. But if you had a, a, an Apple One computer, you would be up for some serious dollars. Uh, if if in, if this this new auction is anything to go by, there's the RR auction in Boston is putting under the hammer some incredible Apple memorabilia, including an Apple One computer. But one interesting item amongst the group is an autographed Steve Jobs letter. Now, what's ironic about this letter? is that it was sent by a fan back in 1983 who wrote to Jobs asking for his autograph. And the ironic reply from Steve Jobs, he wrote to this uh, Mr. Varon, V-A-R-O-N, back in on May 11, 1983. And you can see this letter on my story on Tech Guide. His, answer, his reply was, I'm honoured that you'd write, but I'm afraid I don't sign autographs. Sincerely, Steve Jobs, he signed his name under Sincerely. So he's saying he doesn't sign autographs and yet he's giving him his autograph on this letter. That letter is already up at the 35000 US dollar mark on these auctions. This is a live auction that's going to end uh, later this week. I think Thursday, uh, our Australian time, is uh, is when it ends. But the, the letters also being auctioned alongside the Apple One computer, a Jobs-signed Apple II reference manual, Steve Jobs' personally owned bomber jacket, an autographed Macworld magazine, and a signed and framed 128K motherboard, as well as an Apple Lisa computer. 
and you'd, you'd want to have some solid some solid money to even bid on them because uh, that letter, as I said, is, is up to thirty five thousand US dollars. The Apple One computer and the original operating manual is expected to fetch up to four hundred and fifty thousand US dollars. That's why I said if you happen to have an Apple One in the in the cupboard in the basement, wherever you got it, uh, might be time to dig it out. You got some serious dollars there. The Steve Jobs signed Apple II reference manual is already up to more than eighteen thousand US dollars. The signed Macworld magazine is at twenty one thousand US dollars. The framed one twenty eight k motherboard signed by Steve Jobs and Jeff Raskin has already passed the fifteen thousand US dollar mark, uh, but. One of my favourites is Steve Jobs' personally owned bomber jacket. Now, there is proof that he wore this jacket, that it was owned by him, because he wore it in the now famous photo of him giving the middle finger below the IBM logo in front of their building. A very famous photo. So back then, you could imagine IBM was the was running the whole computer market, and Apple was this young upstart. And trying to trying to hone in on on IBM's market share, so hence the reason why he gave him the middle finger salute, and he's wearing this this bomber jacket that is up for sale, and that's already up to more than twenty five thousand US dollars. Uh, and one of the other items is the Apple Lisa computer. Didn't do much, not very successful in the market. It was though the first computer to have a graphical user interface. And that was priced. Would you believe this computer back in 1983 was priced at $9,995? That's in 1983. So you're not going to make a lot of profit if you still got it. It's expected to fetch, though, more than $25,000 US if you're keen to bid on that item right there. But Apple, Apple uh, Lisa computer, the Steve Jobs letter, so many cool items. You can see all of them at techguide.com.au. Keeping you updated and educated. Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Norton. They're the company that can keep you and your family safe online. Now, if you're an online gamer, you want the best performance while still helping to maintain your computer's security. And that's exactly what Norton 360 for Gamers offers. The patented Game Optimizer technology can help maximize gaming performance while still helping to maintain the level of security you've come to expect from Norton LifeLock. Game Optimizer can free your PC from power-hungry programs running in the background that eat up your system's resources, helping you get more performance out of your rig. Whether you're a hardcore gamer or just a casual player, Norton 360 for Gamers helps provide multiple layers of protection for your devices, game accounts, and digital assets. Norton 360 for Gamers also includes features that help protect against cyber threats, including malware and webcam takeovers. If you want to help ensure all the available computing power of your system is allocated to the game for maximum performance, while still helping to maintain maximum protection, then put Norton 360 for Gamers on your team. Listeners of the Tech Guide podcast will receive a 50% discount to a year's subscription of Norton 360 for Gamers by using the promo code TECHGUIDE when they visit au.norton.com forward slash techguide. And now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennec. Alrighty, kicking off the hot, the Tech Guide reviews is the Hoverbar Duo Stand. Now, this is an iPad stand. Uh, from from the the company Twelve South, they make some great accessories. Twelve South, some really high quality stuff, laptop stands and cases, and now this hoverbar duo, and it's ideal for iPad. But of course, any tablet will work inside it. Any tablet. Up to, well, if you're an iPad user, it fits every iPad, whether it's an original iPad all the way up to the 12.9-inch iPad Pro, which is what I used with it. Uh, And, of course, any other Android tablet or Windows tablet will also work in the same way as uh, as an iPad because it does have a stand, uh, the the clamp that does, can, can hold the iPad in uh, horizontally or, or vertically, so landscape or portrait. And it does really make, like the ta- tablets are already really, really versatile product around your house, but this makes it 
even more versatile, especially now much of the country, including us here in New South Wales, are in lockdown. We're working from home, spending more time at home, learning, kids are learning from home. So having a product like this can make your iPad even more useful around your house. Uh, as I said, the current situation allows, uh, we have to make arrangements to be able to work from home. So uh, with the Hoverbar Duo, it's this nice, beautifully designed, adjustable stand that can be used either with the supplied base or it does also include a, a shelf clamp. So you can actually attach it to a desk or you might want to even attach it upside down to a shelf, perhaps on, or in your kitchen for you to follow recipes or you might have it, want to put it out of the way so you can preserve your, your desk space wherever you might be or your countertop space. So it's, uh, it's a handy way of displaying the iPad uh, comfortably, keep it in your view. Most importantly too, especially if the weighted base, whether it's it's clamped to the desk or with the base, it does put the iPad at eye level if you want. So it's it's high enough for you to be sitting, to be looking right at it at eye level. So what does that mean? Perfect for video calls. How many times have you had calls, video calls or meetings, and you're really tired of uh, looking up your friend's noses because they have their iPads or their computers down on the desk and the, uh, the camera is pointing upwards? Not a very flattering angle, but if you have the Hoverbar Duo, you at least will be seen pretty well because it can be offered at eye level. And whether it's you making a, a, a call for work or catching up with friends and loved ones on FaceTime or Skype or any of the other uh, video conferences, this can also help as well. And of course, it's a hands-free experience, so you don't have to hold it in place. It just sits there at the right height. Now, it can be used in several other ways. And of course, apart from positioning for video calling and FaceTime calls, it, it also allows you, if, if you want to set up a workspace, you might be using an iPad as your, your, monitor, your screen, you might have a Bluetooth keyboard uh, associated with it as well and a mouse, then you can arrange the iPad to be sitting at a more comfortable angle, so not crane, not sort of bending down, looking down at the desk. It does allow you to do that. Other, another means of productivity with the Hoverbar Duo is if you wanted to use your iPad as, an, as to extend the monitor of your MacBook. If, if, you're a, if you're an iMac or MacBook user, there are features with macOS that allows you to increase your screen real estate. On, on Catalina and Big Sur, the feature's called Sidecar. So you can uh, extend the, the, the size of your desktop with the iPad. In the upcoming Mac OS Monterey, that feature is now going to be called Universal Control. So you can actually drag and drop files from your Mac to the iPad. And having the Hoverbar Duo, being able to position the iPad perfectly next to your desk is going to be, I think, a real game changer for people who want that extra screen real estate but don't want to go to the expense of buying a brand new monitor with, if they've got an iPad and the Hoverbar Duo, they can now make use of those of that and, and get that extra screen space for themselves as well. Another big use, I think, is for content creators. The, the iPad cameras are, are pretty impressive, including the video camera. So there'll be a lot of content creators who maybe want to create some videos for TikTok, for Instagram, for YouTube, and this, this kind of becomes their tripod. They, can, they don't have to be holding the iPad at all, and they can position it perfectly for them to create their content. So that's, that's a yet another use. But also in the kitchen, I think the, the iPad is a, a handy recipe book. Uh, a lot of people look up various recipes online, and this can also give you hands-free access to the iPad. You can It is up out of the way of the counter, so you're not going to be making a mess. You can, as I mentioned, use the shelf clamp to, to clip it to uh, the, one of the cupboards or, or a shelf or wherever you want to. So if you want to preserve your countertop space, you can do that as well with the hover bar duo it's uh if, if if you are following those recipes it does uh come in really handy so several uses for the hover bar duo it's it's a, a pretty pretty cool little device if you have an ipad or any other tablet that you want to keep at a comfortable angle you might want to kick back and watch a movie the, that, that's another yet another use for your ipad and the hover bar duo helps in that as well the Hoverbar Duo is priced at $139.95 and it's available now from JB Hi-Fi. If you want to read more, check it out, techguide.com.au. 
Now, do you think we have enough streaming services? If you said no, then you'll be happy to, to hear that Paramount Plus has just joined the ranks of the streaming services available in Australia. And it is available for $8.99 per month or $89.99 for 12 months. So that's the same pricing as Disney Plus. Uh, so yet another streaming services, cheaper than Netflix, Stan, cheaper than, uh, than, than some of the others. And this replaces the 10 All Access app here in Australia, replaces the CBS All Access service in the U.S., so all of the stuff that you normally have through those apps are now going to be funneled through Paramount Plus. Now, I think at $8.99, it is affordable. They are going to have a lot of unique content, especially TV shows from CBS, from Nickelodeon, Comedy Central, MTV, a lot of original TV shows and also new content coming through TV as well, as well as some other favourites, including uh, Nurse Jackie, House of Lies, The Affair, Dexter. So a lot of those cool older shows. But there's also, of course, on the movie front, more than 300 movies that are going to be included with the service, including the Indiana Jones series, the Godfather series, Harry Potter, The Dark Knight. And there is also talk that new movies will be added to the service between 30 and 45 days after their theatrical release window. Now, if you're living in a lockdown state like I am, we can't go to the theatre. So what, what could happen is those films that were meant for the cinema may go straight to these streaming platforms. We have seen with other streaming services, you can pay $35 and have instant access. I think Disney Plus had that recently for Cruella a few months ago and and, uh, Jungle Cruise with Dwayne Johnson and Emily Blunt. You could pay $34.95 and be able to watch it or have instant access in your own home. Whether Paramount does that is another story. Uh, but the other thing too with platform, this platform, the Paramount Plus platform, it also has sport. It's, it's actually secured the rights to the A-League and the W-League and the FFA Cup, as well as Socceroos and Matildas games, which were only ever viewable on Fox Sports. So that, that's a that's a if you're a sports fan that that that's good to know. Now the question I'm getting most is how can I watch Paramount Plus? At the moment, if you've got an iPhone, an iPad, you can watch through the Paramount Plus app. You can also download the app through Apple TV. So if your TV has an Apple TV connected to it, you connect the uh, you, you download the app to Apple TV, and then you can watch it through there. Uh, you can download it through Android as well, or you can also view it through TVs running Android TV and Google TV. So Sony has Google TV on board, so you'll be able to download the app directly to that platform. If you have a Chromecast with Google TV or an Amazon Fire Stick, you can also access the Paramount Plus app as well as you can through Fetch TV. That's also uh, available through there. Now, I do hear from a lot of Samsung, LG, Hisense users asking when is this app going to be available on their their platforms well this could take some time it does take a while to develop an app for each particular tv platform my guess is the next tv platform to include it would be samsung they're the biggest still the number one manufacturer in the world they are more likely to go to the trouble and the expense of developing paramount plus for their viewers uh there's been several samsung tv owners that have contacted me and i've told them that for the time being they're going to have to either buy an apple tv or a chromecast or an amazon fire stick to be able to enjoy that same deal for lg customers web os does not include paramount plus and may not include it for a year or two so you, again, like the Samsung viewer and the Hisense for that matter, you're going to have to make do with those other ways of accessing the service or just watch it on a mobile device. Uh, the other thing we should tell you too is that it's only a HD service. So if you're thinking you're going to be watching 4K, I'm uh, sorry to disappoint. It is HD only. For the time being, I suspect down the track that it will go 4K. So I, I've, I've been saying to a lot of people, I think that 
what what people should look forward to is not what this service is now, but what it is going to become down the track. With and by that I mean more content, more movies, more access, and also 4K compatibility. Hopefully, like Netflix with Dolby Atmos and all these other yeah you know, Dolby Vision and all of those things as well to make that experience even better. I I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't think that they're going to stick to HD forever. It's only a matter of time, I think, before they're going to make the service available in 4K as well. If you want to find out more about Paramount+, Plus, check it out, techguide.com.au. While on the subject of streaming services, we have some news about another one, and that's KO Sports. KO Sports, the very popular sports streaming service, is now available on the PlayStation platform. So if you're a PlayStation 4 or PlayStation 5 customer, then you'll be able to access uh, the KO Sports streaming app through the TV and video section on your console. Uh, and again, like Paramount Plus, the problem with this app is that not every TV platform has developed it. So I do know that it's on Hisense TVs. I think coming to Samsung and LG TVs. But here, if you're a place, if you've got a PlayStation connected to your TV, that is another way you can access it. And of course, if you've got an Apple TV, Chromecast, that's another way also. But if you happen to have a PlayStation Four or PlayStation, or one of the lucky ones with a PlayStation Five, then you don't need to buy those other products because it is on the PlayStation platform. So uh, this is a big deal for Ko Sports. It was released for Hisense TVs back in May. Uh, so. They did uh, hit in in May this year. Ko passed a million subscribers, which is pretty good since its launch only in 2018. It has gained a fair amount of traction, and Aussies love sport, so that's the reason why Ko has been so so successful. And Ko Sports subscribers have a lot to look forward to in the second half of 2021, including the NRL and AFL finals. Uh, there's just been a new deal done with the National Basketball League, so you better see every game of the 2021-22 NBA season streamed live via ESPN on KO Sports. And of course, massive summer of cricket also awaits the ICC Men's T20 World Cup, the Women's Test Series against India, as well as, of course, the highly anticipated Ashes Series. So plenty to look forward to through KO Sports. If you happen to be a PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5 user and also have a KO Sports account, this is your lucky day. You can enjoy all of that sport through that platform. If you want to find out a little bit more, check it out at techguide.com.au. You're listening to Tech Guide with Stephen Fennick. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Netgear. They're Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. Is your Wi-Fi struggling to keep up with your streaming, work, gaming, video calling and more? And what happens if you're doing all of that at once? When you're connected to your world by Wi-Fi, be sure it's the best. Bring your Wi-Fi up to speed with Orbi Wi-Fi 6 from Netgear. Orbi Wi-Fi 6 is the best and latest in Wi-Fi. It covers your entire home with the fastest Wi-Fi for uninterrupted streaming, video calling and working and learning from home on more devices than ever before in any part of the house. It's Wi-Fi perfectly engineered. Are you ready for the best Wi-Fi ever? Find out more at netgear.com.au slash best Wi-Fi. All your tech questions answered. This is the Tech Guide Help Desk. The Tech Guide Help Desk is brought to you by our good mates at Belkin, belkin belkin.com.au, and they are the company that you can buy cables and batteries and various other accessories, including for your your iPhone. If you're an iPhone 12 user, they've got a lot of MagSafe products. And if you're an AirTag user, they also have a way for little little holders for your AirTag so you can attach them to your bags, to your other things, and always keep track of your stuff. Today on the Tech Guide Help Desk, I've been overwhelmed with questions about being able to access the nine radio stations which are no longer available on the TuneIn app. And I'm talking about 2GB, 4BC, 3AW, 
and 6PR. So 2GB in New South Wales, 4BC in Melbourne, 3AW, sorry, 3AW in, in, in Melbourne, 4BC in Brisbane, and 6PR in Perth. These are nine radio, formerly Macquarie Radio, and as many of you may know, I'm on 2GB three times a week talking tech, so this, this affects uh, you being able to listen to me as well, on top of listening to me on my podcast. But there, uh, for those who are worried, don't panic. Even though these stations are no longer on the TuneIn app, you can still hear the many ways for you to listen in. And, of course, if you've already got an AM, FM radio, then that's still going to work. If you've got a digital radio, again, not a problem. But even though they're not available on TuneIn radio, the good news is you can still listen on your phone, on a tablet, and in your car. Each of the nine radio stations actually have their own apps for example, the 2GB app. So that's available in the App Store or the Google Play Store. So if you want to listen in your car, for example, you can just Bluetooth your phone to your car, which you probably already have for your calls, and you'll be able to stream 2GB, 4BC, 3RW, 6PR through their own respective apps. Another app, another streaming option is the radio app. Uh, that's also available through the App Store and the Google Play Store, and you can listen to any of your stations, set favourites, and again, Bluetooth to your car. If you uh, you want to Bluetooth your headphones, earphones, if you're walk, having a walk with you and you want to listen to the radio, that's another way you can do it as well. And of course, CarPlay users and Android Auto users Installing these apps, radio app, or those respective apps, their own apps, 2GB app, 4BC, 3AW apps, they're also all accessible through CarPlay and through Android Auto. So you can still hear them through there. So instead of listening through TuneIn, you're listening through another app. It's just changing apps to access it as well. And of course, listening at home won't change. If, again, if you've got an AFM radio, AMFM radio, or a digital radio, but if you have a smart speaker, you are still able to listen to nine radio stations. You just simply say, hey, you know what, or you know what for the Echo, I don't want to set off your speakers. Just say, play 2GB, and it'll play it. And what happens is that formally, if it plays through TuneIn, it will look for an, for another way of being able to play it. And in this case, it'll, it'll, go, it'll divert through radio app uh, to play the station rather than through tune in which is it no longer exists if you're in an older car uh, without bluetooth or without carplay without android auto you can you, you can invest in a product called echo auto which is basically an alexa smart speaker for your car so it, it bluetooths to your phone uses it for its internet connection and whatever you tell it it'll use your phone to access it. So if you tell Echo Auto in your car to play 3AW, it'll stream it from your smartphone to your car's audio system. I have got a review, a link to my Echo Auto review so you can understand what it is. It's a small little product that can sit on, on your console and give you just basically turns your car and your phone into a smart speaker that you can take in your car with you. So uh, again, one of the many ways you can still listen to your favourite radio stations. Tune in to hear me on 2GB, Monday nights at 9pm, Wednesday afternoons at 1.30pm, Sunday mornings at 10.25am. So hopefully you can catch me still through those apps that I just described. Not tune in radio, unfortunately, anymore, but you can still get through and listen to your heart's content. And uh, that is our show for this week. It's the full-time siren. If you need to find out any more, you can find it at techguide.com.au. And if you want to get in touch with us, please email us at info at techguide.com.au. We want to thank our cool sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and also Norton, the company that can keep you and your family safe online. Please support the products that support, the companies, I should say, that support the Tech Guide podcast, Norton and Netgear. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back with another show next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected. 